Oh, no. He canceled? All right, I got it. Broadcasting from the Claremont. No, not that either. All right, I got this. Broadcasting from DJ's Basement, the all-new and improved Turn 4 podcast. Now with 100% more Brian Roby. Look for us every Tuesday where all major podcasts are found. Like us on Facebook at Turn 4 Podcast. And now, DJ, Zach, and Brian. We're not mad. We're just disappointed. Take it away, boys. All right, Turn 4 Nation, what's going on? We got another sweet episode this week. We have a very special guest. I'm kind of... I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan. Been a huge fan for years. We'll, we'll dive into that uh, a little bit. Uh, we have a very established and distinguished modified driver on our hands. We have Mr. Jason Myers. How are you doing this evening, sir? I was waiting on the fans to die down from all that yelling and screaming. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Happy to be here. Hope y'all doing good. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I kind of just wanted to start it off uh, this way. Um, I think we have a good idea of who you are um, because we're based out of New Hampshire. There may be some of our listeners aren't too familiar. Uh, they probably know you and your brother, but they do, probably don't know the backstory uh, behind how you got into racing and your family's kind of background. Uh, could we just get like you know, a quick synopsis of, you know, how it started, who you are, your dad, and all of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty pretty cut and dry for me, man. Like, my grandpa and my great uncle both started racing back in the late 40s, early 50s, back when NASCAR originated. You know, they went from running moonshine and just racing in circles on dirt to actually establishing a series and making, you know, that's how NASCAR originated. Um, my grandpa and my great uncle both died in the 50s racing NASCAR. My grandpa died at Bowman Grade, which is where I race now. You know, how ironic is that? Yep. Um, and uh, my great uncle died at Darlington, got in a bad wreck in Darlington. So when my dad was old enough, he went straight into racing. So when I was a kid, like I was two years old when I went to my very first race. And I think you know, it's crazy. Since I started, I'm 40, 40 something. <laughs> When I started going to Bowman Gray as a kid, I think literally, this is no lie, I think I've missed three Saturday nights at Bowman Gray my entire life. Wow. wow. And Yeah, and it's crazy when you think about that. I literally have grown up at that place since I was a little kid. My dad, I was born in 78. My dad started, my dad raced Winston Cup back then in the 70s, and he started racing at Bowman Gray in 1980. So basically, I have been at Bowman Gray Stadium since 1980, you know, personally. Yeah. Um, but we, we've, we've always raced, we've always raced modifieds. Um, my brother Bert, you know, same way when we grew up, there was no question of what we were going to do when we grew up. You know what I mean? When you're, when you're three or four years old and you're in victory lane at Bowman Gray stadium in front of 15,000 people in your dad's arms and your dad's getting a trophy, like they, it didn't take me long. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, this is where I want to be when I grow up, man, this is where it's at. And, you know, for people that have never been to Bowman Gray stadium, you cannot describe what it's like over there. You just have to go. I mean, you know, you, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it, man. I've been stuck in a modified ever since. I really want to go anywhere else. Once you sit down in one, <laughs> you don't really want to drive taxi cabs anymore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Roby loves yeah, my that. Term, my term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess you kind of beat me to it a little bit. Um, 
for those that don't know, Bowman Gray Stadium was the first NASCAR-sanctioned racetrack, correct? Yes, that's where they that's where they put it together, and that's where they started the France family, and you know whoever else the Garrisons, the, the, the whoever else. Um, that's where they put it all together and actually made you know that's when it was sanctioned. Yeah, and I think it was nineteen forty-eight. And the rumor, or not the rumor, but the 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 kind of the quote-unquote stigma of Bowman Gray Stadium is if you, if anybody, no, how does it go? Anybody who is anybody in the racing world has raced at Bowman Gray Stadium at some point in their career. Is that fair yeah. to say? I think so. I think so. I think that's the, the stomping ground of the sport. Yeah. And 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 what, what people kind of don't seem to take into consideration sometimes is, yeah, it is the longest-running NASCAR track, but they still put 15,000 fans in the stands every week. That place is just as full now as it was. But the cool part is when you look at the pictures from like the 50s and 60s of the old races and you see the grandstands packed, you know how racing used to be. Yeah. It's still like that at Bowman Gray Stadium, you know, because I run the Smart Tour also. I run some wheeling races and, you know, you go to these other racetracks and they got a couple thousand people in the stands or less, yeah. you know, or, or maybe four or five. You know, I see these racetracks up north, you know, the, the Thompsons and places like that. You know, there's 10,000 people in the stands. They got this huge deal. But we pull that every Saturday night, man. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we pack that place out. And, and the difference, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the difference, all right? Okay. Because out of these 15,000 people, they're not all race fans. You know, there might be 3,000 race fans, but they're not there for the race and they're there for the entertainment. Oh, Home yeah. Gray Stadium has figured out a way to turn racing. It's still entertainment. Flip on a race on Sunday afternoon, that's not entertainment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we all grew up racing short tracks, man. That Sunday afternoon stuff is is. Yeah. You know, it's funny that, you know, they started doing the cone on the restarts. You know, you pick a lane on the NASCAR, on the, you know, the Cup Series. Where do you think they got that from? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Bowman Bo- Bo- Gray, man, they, hats off to them. They, they, they still, they're still the best in the business. You know yeah. what I mean? They're the Matt Hirschmans of the racetracks. <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. That's fair. And, and the setup of Bowman Gray is just – so much different than any other then there's are some that may be a little bit comparable but i didn't know this until dj actually went down two years three years uh ago. three years ago three i years think i went ago. down yeah apparently the inside of bowman gray that yeah. field is a football field oh yeah they play foot we have to cut our season short because winston-salem state the the college there in the city yeah they start playing football two weeks after our last race <laughs> So they have to come in and clean up and get it looking like a football field again and put the goalpost up. So, yeah, they, they literally play football while we're not racing. That is wild. And as a part and if nobody has ever seen 20 or 25 modifieds go around a football field, like that, that's the whole reason Bowman Gray basically, you know, you put 25 pit bulls on a football field and it's not going to be that, that much action. You put 25 pit bulls in your living room and, and you better take out the camera and start filming. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's the difference. That's you you take all of this. And, you know what I mean? Imagine imagine going to, to Riverhead and taking the modified class and 25 of them and bringing those guys down here and putting them on a racetrack that's even smaller and tighter than what they're normally racing on. 
Yeah. And you don't know how those guys do it there. You know, you're beating and banging constantly the whole time. And that's what makes good racing. But imagine going to Riverhead and them saying, hey, guys, listen, after qualifying tonight for this 100 lap race, we're going to redraw the entire field. How about that? <laughs> imagine qualifying third at Riverhead and starting 21st in a 100 lap race. And you know you got the best car there or one of the best cars there. You know, you get impatient and you, you end up making a race out of it. Right. And that's, that's, that's what I grow up doing, man. I mean, that's, that's my lifestyle. That's the, 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 the short track, short track racing at its finest. Yeah. And, and sorry, that was me. Uh, ahead, sorry. And the, a couple other oddities, not oddities, but a couple other things they do down there at Bowman Gray is you're running the tour type mods, 600 horsepower motors and all that. The track is completely flat by the looks of it. From what I've seen, I haven't been there oh, in person. Yeah. And you're only running, what are they, like 12-inch tires or something? They're a little bit narrower than a tour-type tire. Yeah, they're a 10-inch tire. It's basically similar to a late-model tire, but it's real soft. Instead of an F45, it's an F15. Okay. But it, it does – It does, but but other than that, yeah, it's exactly like it's a tour mod, you know, just yeah. with a different tire. Yeah, with a narrow tire. So, I mean, it just it seems like the racing, of course, every, everybody's like really on a hair edge. You have no banking to hold the car on in the corners. You have less tire than we normally run on. And like you said, you're packing a bunch of cars on a really short track. So it leads to obviously a fair amount of drama. Yeah. Um, I think most people are familiar with the show Madhouse or what was the show Madhouse. Loved and, it. Uh, Couldn't get enough of it. And I mean, they of course, they they focused on the drama. But like you said, that's that's part of the game. That's part of why you pack the place every week is because of the show and the drama that comes along with, with the racing in, that, in a very condensed setting as you got down there. But it definitely makes for some... Wild entertainment, that's for sure. Yeah. It, I, we, we've saved for years, but Bert and myself both, it's kind of a running joke. They say, you know, if you come to Bowman Gray Stadium, you might not see a race, but I promise you'll be entertained. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't wrong there. Yeah. So I, I guess my question for you is, is uh, I know you said you started going there in 1980. When's the first time you hopped behind the wheel? I was 15 years old, and I got in my dad's modified on Saturday morning practice. And back then, you had to be 16 to have a, a NASCAR license. So, you know, I wasn't even supposed to be in the pits yet. And um, my dad let me go out and, and run a few laps in his car. And I came back in. You know, I was a 15-year-old kid. You know, I didn't know any better. And I said, are, are you supposed to be able to get it wide open down the straightaway? Because I can't get it about half wide open down the straightaway. <laughs> and he said, yeah, that, that does take time. Because that place, I mean, really, by the time you get it wide open, it's time to lift. I mean, sometimes you don't even get it wide open before it's time to lift. Um, but that that was pretty much the first time I ever I ever sat down in a car. And then shortly after that, we were running the Smart Tour, and uh, he let me drive one of the, one of our one of his other cars at Ace. Um, and I actually ended up racing racing that day. That was a funny story too, because Bert had his stadium car, and Bert had a brand new tour car, and we went to Ace. And they were like, well, you can drive Burke's stadium car. And like I said, I had never run anything except for six or eight laps of practice at Bowman Gray. I was third fastest in practice of the entire field in Burke's stadium car. Wow. Burke was like 12th fastest in his brand new tour car that we just had built. So long story short, Bert takes the car I was driving and ends up racing it and gives me the other one. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I was a little robbed. He put me in a sled. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, ever since, man, that, that's pretty much it. So because of the way Bowman Gray is set up, and I'm taking some of this from the TV show, obviously, that I've watched probably more times than I would like to admit. But um, My kid's still... Just, by the way. Really? My kid. 
I still watch it all the time. Yeah, it, that's awesome. It's so good. I was so mad when they didn't renew it. Well, they had that little like one-off with the Motor Trend channel or whatever, but wasn't the same. It um, was. Uh, so, um, I think you said it in one of the episodes, the fastest guy at Bowman Gray isn't necessarily going to be the winner. That's why pole awards are so prestigious down there, right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. what is it like... I can kind of picture it, but what is it like going out there and turning the fastest lap? Do you kind of, you know, puff the chest out a little bit when you're walking through the pits when you got that award? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> there's people been racing. There's people been racing over there that have won 10, 12, 15 races that have never qualified on the pole. Really? Never. Guys have ever been racing their entire life that have never sat on the pole. Oh, my. Because it's so it's so hard to do. It's one lap on cold tires right off the tire truck. And you just got to hit it perfect and hope nobody else did anything to cheat their car up this week. To, I mean, y'all, y'all, y'all don't understand what it's like when you go to the racetrack and you go to the driver's meeting and you walk in and they look around and go, all right, guys, uh, we got a 100 lap race tonight using the cone. Uh don't run a stop sign on pit road. Uh, all right, y'all have a good night. Like that's our driver's meeting. Really? Like, we don't. Yeah, yeah. And then when we go get ready to qualify, we don't roll across the scales. We don't take the top off the carburetor. We don't the air cleaner. We don't. They don't do nothing. You just go out and run. <laughs> oh my but, god! But the problem <laughs> with that is, every now and then, after qualifying, they'll walk by and say, "Hey, pull your air cleaner off. Let's look at the top of the carburetor." So if you're points racing and if you're, you know, you're a top five car, you can't afford to, to get caught up in some mess like that. Third, yeah. But some of the other guys, like I watch the team that parks real close to me do it all the time. All the time. I watched them change carburetor after qualifying four times last year. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> what y'all doing? <laughs> but, but, you know, Bowling Gray is one of those where obviously there's, you know, with the, with the with the relaxed officiating over there, number one, it makes for a great car count. Yeah. Because they don't beat you to death on tech. You know what I'm saying? You you, you just get it close. Um, but but over there with, with the relaxed, I call it relaxed tech. Like I said, the ones that the ones that run up front have to, you know, you still gotta be right. You know what I mean? You still got to be right. Yeah. But but everybody else, it kind of opens the door a little bit more for them, and it and it it's the opposite way of what some racing is. You say you got two or three guys that are winning every week, they're gonna start doing something to those guys to stop them from winning. Yep. And they leave it wide open for everybody in the middle of the pack. So it's like, hey guys, y'all do what y'all need to do to get caught up. We're not really gonna check you till you start stinking to show up. So it, 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 it's a sketchy place, man. It really is. It's probably the most sketchy, like just it gets so aggravating sometimes. But, but those are the things that I hate about it. But those are the things that make it for what it is. Like that's we got 25 car counts. We got 25 cars there for a car count. And there's 10 of those cars that have never won a race anywhere in their life. But they can win at Bowman Gray on a good night. And that's why those guys keep coming back, you know. You, you got to keep the middle of the pack guys interested. You got to keep those guys coming back. And Bowman Gray's, they've laid this platform out for everybody to see. And it kills me that other racetracks don't pick up on it. 
You know, these other racetracks, they're like, well, well, Bowman Gray's got this and Bowman Gray's got this. They got a piece of land with an asphalt circle on it, dude, the same thing you got. Like, stop making excuses. Look at what they're doing. Do they piss the drivers off every week? Yeah, they piss the drivers off. You know who they don't piss off? The people Fans. sitting in the grandstands. Yep. This guy right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't ever leave mad. You know what I mean? They, they leave and can't wait to come back for some more. Yep. Um, but, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, man, y'all you, you got to get down there. Yeah, well, uh, we've been pushing Brian here for a little bit, but we gotta, we gotta figure that out. Hey, yeah. don't bring your modified. <laughs> if you come, just don't bring your car. Yeah, I promise. <laughs> I promise, it's a lot more fun in the stands. There you go. That's funny. I mean, I've I've been I've probably been to three races. So the first two times I came, we actually skipped the Bristol night race to come watch the end of the year race that you guys would put on because we felt like it was a better show than what we were going to see at the Bristol night race. And I can still remember to this day showing up that first night, me and a buddy, and we were told, hey, the gate's open at this time. This is what time you need to get there. Otherwise, it's going to be forever to get in. And we were there like an hour and a half before the gates even opened up to try to get into that show. And you are absolutely right. I did not leave Matt. I can't tell you who won. I can't tell you (laughs) what race that night, but I was just (laughs) enthralled at the whole night and how everything worked. Oh, yeah. So, speaking of car counts, this is one thing that up this way, I, I think the car, I think we all can agree up this way that the car counts are getting better, but they're not where they should be. They're not where they should be, right? Yeah. Um, they're hit or miss on some nights. Um, what are you pulling for cars down there? And are you sending guys home on trailers? If they don't qualify for the no, race. no, no, we don't, we don't, we don't have that many. Now we we have before got up in the high twenties, um, but with our show being a different show every week versus like say one week it's twin twenty five lap races, the next week it's a hundred lap race. You got guys that pick and choose certain weeks which they want to run. Okay. So I'd say we've got a solid fifteen cars that run every single week, yeah. and then we've got about five more that pick and choose, you know, the hundred lappers or the 25. So we've got a solid 20 cars every week. That's um, impressive. Some weeks, and, and really at Bowman Gray Stadium, that's plenty. Now we don't need any more cars than that. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't. <laughs> yeah, I think, we don't. I um, think up here at our local track, what do we start, 24? They'll start 26. 26, to, If yeah, they really so. need to or whatever, but like our weekly stuff. Yeah, see, and that's – that's great, man. Y'all don't know how many of these local tracks I go to down here where they've got 12 late models. Right. You know, yeah, 11 right. limited, 12 late models and six mini stocks. And and it's like, like it's it's bad. It's 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 bad. And, and, and like you say, ours are getting better. You know, I, with the COVID and everything the last couple of years, everything did start, you know, start declining. I and mean, people kind of lost interest. When you take something away from somebody for so long, like when they took racing away from me for a year, I thought I was gonna put a gun in my mouth, dude. And then after a few months of that shit, I, after a f- stuff, after a few months, I was like, I didn't realize how nice it was to actually come home after work and be able to come home and eat dinner and stay at home. Like you, 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 you your whole, you know, everybody's lives got turned upside down. And now it's, 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 you know, getting back into it now to where our car counts are looking, you know, a, a lot better. And like I say, twenty, but. 20 at Bowman Gray is a plenty. Yeah. 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 Now, you and Bert both race out of the same shop, but Bert technically races for himself and you race for your father, or is that, I believe that's yes. how it was. Yeah. 
So, but you're still all in the same garage and regardless of how the, the night went, you still got to park next to each other and work out and everything. Right. Um, oh yeah. How much has that, all, have you guys always kind of typically got along or has there really been some chaos at times or, or how's that go? There's, there's only been a couple of times that, that we got into something, you know, with each other and, and we knew it wasn't intentional. So it's a little easier to swallow, but it's one of those where mom told us a long time ago and dad too, if y'all can't go out there and race each other without tearing race cars up and bring them home in a box every week, we're not going to do this. So that's our main thing is, is I'm not going to put myself in a position to wreck myself and or Bert or both of us unless there's something major on the line. You know what I mean? Like yeah, a championship or the biggest race of the year type deal. You know what I mean? Like, because racing at Bowman Gray, like especially with your brother, it's kind of like dealing with children. You got to pick and choose your battles. You know what I mean? You got to know when to move a guy. You don't move a guy for third because yeah. the next week he's going, he's, he's going, you know what I mean? You got to know when, when to, to shoot your arrows, you know, you, you got to know when to strike because it's, you don't want to waste them. You can't just go over and bulldoze your way to the front every week. Um, but you got to know when, you got to know when to make it work and when just to chill out and say, you know what, I'm running fifth, it's 20 to go. It, it, I'm just going to salvage what I can out of this night and have something to bring back next week instead of knocking the right front of it off, trying to dive bomb a guy with three to go for fourth. Yep. You know, that's that's the biggest thing about Bowman Gray is 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 trying not to get tore up every week. And it is hard racing with Burt, man. I don't want to tear his car up, and I don't want him tearing mine up because – if I beat him or if I wreck him, I still got to work in the shop with him all week. Right. So, <laughs> like you said, you don't want to you don't want to have to go over there every day and work on your race car with somebody you're in beef with. So it's you 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 gotta you gotta play. And, and fortunately, we've we've been for all these years. We have had a pretty good run, and and not been at each other's throats too many times. Yeah, yeah. that's good. That's great. I actually wanted to touch a little bit, man. <laughs> So, again, I've said it a couple times. I've watched that TV show probably more times than I should admit. I've always been curious, and being from New Hampshire, I feel like this is going to be a ridiculous question to ask you, but I I have to ask it because I have you here. Your family's um, history with Junior Miller, was, was that blown up more... For the TV show, or is that actually the way? Is that actually yeah, what it is? It, it was actually how it was. Junior did go a little far because he had those camera people in his ear, kind of, kind of pumping him to, you know, because they would always come up to us and be like, "Well, what do you think about Junior Miller?" And I'd say, "Junior who?" And they'd say, "No, Junior Miller." Like, what do you think about Junior? And I'm like. I, I, I can't stand racing with him. You know what I mean? He's, he needs to quit and he's done. Well, if you hear some of the stuff he says about you, you know, like they would try to, yeah, they're poking the bear. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They're yep. poking the bear. Cause I learned a lot about, a lot about junior. I didn't know, you know, the whole deal where he, he said, my dad owed him a motor from back in the seventies and junior was trying to say, that's why I da, 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 da. the bottom line is junior Miller is a trash scumbag piece of shit that drives a race car. He has made the comment himself, I'd wreck my mama for $5,000. Yeah. 
Like he knows he is. He's horrible. He's he's won more races with a fifth place race car than anybody you can imagine. He's the same way on and off the track. And if you watch that show and you know that going in, you start picking it out as you watch it. Like, God, man, this guy's right. If you watch that show, did you see Junior Miller's preacher called me and Burt crybabies? I like I vaguely oh, man. That. Yes. Now you're now your preacher's back. Now your preacher's talking. What kind of church do you go to, man? <laughs> the one where you wreck somebody after the race and then get out and thank God for a good, safe race? Like, come on, man. Just 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 it is bad. Like, but but Junior played that up more because the more he played it up, the more TV time he got. And Junior Miller, I swear to you, I've never in my life seen a grown man that wanted attention like a 16-year-old high school girl worse than that man does. I mean, dude, I'm telling you, he wears his Junior Miller shirt to church and his Advance Auto Parts hat, got his name on it. He's loud and obnoxious everywhere he goes. He's going to make sure you know he's there. He's one of those guys. So when they started putting these cameras in his face and started smack talking and all this, it just, dude, it just got worse. It just got worse. And if you notice when you watch the show, I know you've seen it enough to know, Every time they're talking about Junior, talking to Junior or John Boy or any of them, do you ever see them working on a race car? Or are they just sitting around in a circle talking junk about me and Bert? Pretty much. Think about it next time you watch it. Like they would literally get those guys together and and talk about us while we're over here working on race cars and then they can't figure out why we're winning and they're not. So it's – the show, everything you saw on that show was pretty much a hundred percent like it really is, but some of it was escalated just a little bit. Okay. Tim Brown's not near the asshole that they made him out to be on that show, but Tim Brown is an asshole. Like <laughs> he is. You know, I love Tim to death. Tim will tell you, like Tim is an asshole. But they did play it up more on that show than than Tim actually is. You know what I mean? Everything was magnified. I guess you could say. Okay. All right, yeah, I mean, that was going to be my other question is is the rivalry. And I guess there's always going to be a rivalry with good drivers, right, that, that makes for good um, racing. But that was going to be my next question. Is is Tim Brown really the same guy that you see on the TV that, that you race against? Absolutely, he is. He is. He's that passionate. But you can see the passion. You can see how much he loves it. You can see how, how much, you know, he puts everything he's got into it. The same way with us. Yeah. You know what I mean? You 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 mess my race car up it's the same way smacking my old lady. You know what I mean? Like that's my race car is part of the family. You know what I mean? You might as well kick my dog if you would kick my race car because we're gonna have problems either way. Yeah. And that's that's how Tim. I respect him. I always have. You Tim and Bert, especially on paper, are hands down the two best race car drivers at Bowman Gray Stadium with twenty some championships between the two of them. Nobody else even winning championships the last twenty some years except for the one Danny Bone one that they had to disqualify Bert and Tim and take points away from them. <laughs> but but you know, it's those guys are beatable. You know what I mean? They're just as beatable as everybody else. But it just seems like points wise, they always end up, you know, but when you got a lot of money and your equipment never fails and you know that it's got a lot to do with it too. Um but yeah, it's it's uh, beating those guys really. You know, that's that's what makes it fun. When you beat Burt Myers at Bowman Gray Stadium, when you beat Tim Brown at Bowman Gray Stadium, you know, like you said, qualifying, you walk around with that chest out because you know you did something. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, obviously, the the personalities got a little bit bigger during that show. Um, it sounds like the racing 
didn't change like the the program and and what they did for a routine didn't change but other than that how much did the show affect you guys overall like obviously it brought a ton of publicity there or to you guys from from around the country that maybe you didn't have before did it make like getting sponsorships easier did it make you know anything really is make it easier to travel and this and that or or did it really not change a whole lot for you guys there for the first few years it changed a lot you know we did have quite a we've had a few sponsors i had people just calling you know hey don't even put my name on the race car here's three thousand dollars i just think y'all are awesome we love y'all keep doing what you're doing like we did have a lot of that it did and that's why i'm i'm like you zach i was like damn they're not doing another season that broke my heart oh because i was ready to quit my job you know what i mean i'm ready to do this full time yeah yeah <laughs> well but, at because at the time you were working at ups right yeah still am oh you still so that's where you work in third shift now okay yep yeah that yep. so that was my thing is yeah let's let's do this racing full time let's make enough money on this tv show where we can just race and that's it this is gonna be awesome and then they shut it down and um but yeah it, it changed there for a few years like the crowds got a little bit bigger you know there were a few more people there was a lot more interest you know the, the coolest thing for me was people like y'all the racing people and other racetracks and other communities and other states those are you know the the fans around you know if a fan walks up to me and is like hey man i'm a huge fan it's a lot different to me be like hey man i help so-and-so with so-and-so track up there you know what i mean like it, it's the affiliation it's the everywhere you go you see all these racing people that they're all familiar with who you are because you were on tv and every story was, man, that is so cool. We've got a Junior Miller at our track, too. And you know, we've got a Tim Brown at our track. And we've got the villain. We've got the crybaby. we got the good guy. we got the – and it really just was like – it kind of gave me a broader perspective of, you know what, we're not the only people racing in this world, are we? There are <laughs> lots of people just like us doing the exit, working full-time jobs, working for a living and racing on the weekends and trying to find every ounce of spare time you can to work on your race car. It's the same exact thing here as it is everywhere else. Yeah. I think that's why we all tend to lean more towards short track racing than cup racing. And I probably should not say that, but I'm going to say it. Uh, I Cup racing to me just seems so commercialized now. We're like short track racing. I love going and especially knowing brian now and seeing the amount of hours he spends on a modified and seeing you know just how meticulous he is like on race day i try to explain it to people brian flips a switch on race day when he's not racing he'll talk to anybody about anything at any time but once he's there and he's about to set up a car he shuts the world off and that is his one thing it's it's wild and i and i love that because brian's still a normal guy 40 50 hour work weeks right still trying to find time in the shop to fix cars that's why i love short track racing more than cup racing there's just more passion gritty, passion grittiness to well, it you know nobody well i say nobody you got a few are but nobody in short track races racing for a living everybody's racing because they love it yeah you know what i mean everybody's racing for the trophy not because they're trying to get rich. Right. And it's the exact opposite of what we watch on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. You got a bunch of guys riding around just getting paid. Yeah. Like they're not they're not trophy chasers. They're not hungry. 
most of them hadn't have never had a race to even win and make them hungry enough to chase the trophy. You know what I'm saying? Like Kyle Busch wins a lot of races because he wants it more than everybody else. Like people don't understand that. People that haven't been on on the racing side like we have of it just think, oh yeah, well, you know, I want a lot of money too, but it, it's not like that. It, it's that will to win, and that's one thing Junior Miller had more than a lot of people. And I, I bashed Junior Miller a lot, but Junior Miller wanted to win worse than anybody out there. But Junior was willing to do what it took to win, yeah. to where there has to be some limits. You know what I mean? You can't just have this attitude of, well, I did what I had to do to win. No, you didn't. That's that's not how this works. You know what I mean? Like, what, what? You held it down wide open and never pressed the brake pedal and wrecked the top three? That's what you did to have to win? That's that's not right. You know what I mean? That's like that's like a linebacker breaking Tom Brady's arm on purpose and saying, hey, man, I was just doing what I had to do to win. Like, no, that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> True. Good analogy. Very true. <laughs> so you said um, things changed a little bit when you guys had the show. Now that the last, what is it, year and a half or so, that flow racing has been down there, has that changed anything around the racetrack with having flow there weekly? Um, the only thing I can see with the whole flow thing is the racetracks are getting rich and the drivers are still getting poor. That's what I see with the flow racing. I Let's love talk what about doing, it. But... I love what they're doing because somebody needed to do this a long time ago. Agreed. But to pay these racetracks what they're paying them to film and the drivers not seeing any of it, now it's turned into a sport where the drivers are still getting their coat, their throats cut every week, but now the racetracks are actually making some money too so we can keep going and keep racing. Well, eventually your drivers are going to be broke too. Yep. So – I don't know what kind of money that flows paying these these racetracks. I've heard, I heard some of them, you know, through some grapevines and stuff. But um, Bowman Gray Stadium, halfway through the year, walked around and gave everybody in every division in the top fifteen in the points two hundred and fifty dollars in every division, and said, "Hey guys, this is some flow racing money. This is." Now, granted, that's not much, but you add that up over 15 cars per division for four divisions and add that up, Bowling Gray Stadium didn't have to do that. Yep. They didn't have to get any of that money back. Right. But they did give us a little bit back just so because when I have a conversation like this, now I can't bash them. I can bash the smart tour who's seen God knows how much money from flow racing, and we're still getting our cuts throat having to pay extra for practice time because somebody's sitting on all this money and we don't know where it's at. It's gonna. You can't just throw money at stuff and it fix it. You got to have people that know what they're doing with that money because money will ruin a sport just as fast as it is not having money will ruin a sport. That's valid, right? Right. Very true. So, can we talk a little bit about the smart tour? I know I I love the Bowman Gray stories. Obviously, um, I I just wanted to touch on this. Your driving on the smart tour. And on the Whalen Tour, um, when do you start on the Smart Tour? When does that become a thing? Like what year? What year is that? What you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What year? Well, see, we always had from from nineteen eighty nine to early two thousands. We had our own Smart Tour that my dad drove. You know, we basically had a self sanctioned racing series that is just like what we have now but it was a little bit smaller. And then NASCAR came in and took over our series for a few years, you know, the Southern, the Wheel and Southern Tour. Yep. And then NASCAR backed out and left us hanging. 
So this is the deal we put together, what, two years ago? But it's basically the same thing we've always done. It's basically just all the teams and drivers get together and say, hey, guys, here's what we got. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to get races at this race. We're going to do. Then we started having some sponsors come in and everything, you know, everything started rolling. And our car counts have been unbelievable. Our race procedures and our shows just need some work. You know, all the potentials there. It's just everything. It looks like the first day of school every time we show up at the racetrack. Like we, we just got to kind of get our stuff together. Um, but, but right now down here, except for Bowman Gray stadium, the smart, the smart tour is about the only thing going okay. for, you know, for modifieds. I mean, yeah, we don't have, we don't have racetracks with, with modified divisions as a local series. Bowman Gray is the only one. So if you got a modified down here, you're either running Bowman Gray or you're running smart tour. Okay. Okay. So, do you, I guess this is kind of a selfish question, but this coming year, what is the furthest north you have planned to race? Do you know yet? Um, I think Dominion Raceway in Virginia is probably the furthest north. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I mean, that's on up there. Like, it's still, you know, five, five and a half hours from us. It's, it's still pretty, it's close to Washington, so it's a pretty good ride for us. Yeah. But... I mean, as much as I love racing, I love traveling to go race, but I don't. I don't miss that fourteen-hour ride home from Thompson on Sunday night. Yeah, yeah. That was tough, dude, my dad wanted to leave right after the race and come home, and we left Thompson at six o'clock on Sunday evening and got home at nine o'clock the next morning. Oh. Drove all night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. I said, "Can I? Can I not go back to Thompson for a little while now? Am I good for a little bit?" <laughs> yeah, that's rough. So where? Yeah, it's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask, like, where's the furthest racetrack you've raced at? Like, either north or west or? Um, I'd say Thompson was probably the furthest. Okay. And then all we, I ran uh, the a couple of years they did the uh, the three eighths small track on the back stretch at Daytona. I ran those. Yeah. I ran those smart. So that's about as far south. And then been in Nashville, I guess, would be as far west as I've been. We raced Nashville one year, several years ago, to Fairground Speedway. Okay. Um, but yeah, Thompson's probably probably about as far north as I've as I've been racing. Okay, All right. that's far enough, ain't it? Yeah, that's that's pretty far <laughs> from where I mean, you are. That is Thompson to me is far, and I think Thompson's what three, three hours from us. Three hours from us, and that's that's enough. Six hours in the car is enough for me. Um, I just quickly. Wanted to kind of double back a little bit to Bowman Gray. Um, so this may be a touchy subject, but on the TV show, you had said that you had never won a championship at Bowman Gray. Bird has won, what is it, 11 or something? 10, maybe. 10? 10? Yeah, I'm Will that be... Is that kind of your Everest right now to to win a championship there? Not really. I want to, obviously, but if I don't, it's not gonna I'm not gonna die going, man, I really wish that was the one thing I could have because because I don't. Like I I'm I feel like I've done enough over there to leave my name in a record book that, that I don't need to win a championship. I'd love to win one. I've came so close so many times, man, y'all got no idea how close I've been to winning championships over there. Yeah. I was third in the points like four years in a row, different people beating me every year or maybe two or three, whatever it was. But 
just so close so many times and so many times. And 2015 over there was my best, was probably the best year I've ever had. And I won 10 poles and I had seven wins. And I actually won the North Carolina State Championship that year. But the one bad night I had at Bowman Gray was on double points night. So Tim ended up keeping me to the championship for the stadium, even though I won the state championship. So even that, you know what I mean? I was dominant all year, dude. I mean, two tenths better in practice than everybody every week. I've never had a season like that in my life. Out of 15 races, I qualified on the pole 10 times. Had the fastest lap of the year. Had I, every, I won every single award you could win over there that year except the championship. Most polls, most wins, um, hard charger award, fastest lap of the year, everything except the championship. Because like I said, it was double points one night when I had a bad night. And that's that's what caught, cost me the championship. But, oh, man. Yeah, it's uh, but I'm I'm not gonna like my dad was the same. My dad did the same thing. My dad's got almost forty wins over. He raced there his whole life and never won a championship. Right. So it, I, I can I can go out either way. I can go out of me and my dad were two of the best and never ever win a championship, and we'll go down high fiving about it. Yeah. Or I can win one and and be good to go. So either way, it ain't gonna hurt my feelings at the end of the day. Because it was this last year, I think you became you're now the tenth. You're on the list, right? You're uh, the 10th most winningest driver at Bowman Gray? Yeah. I'm in the top 10 now. Top 10 yeah. now. With yeah. – what's the what's the win count now? 40. Oh, my gosh. 34? 34. 35. No, it's either 35 or 36. My dad's got 38. Okay. And I've got 35 or 6, so I'm right there, right there behind him. That's wild to me that you would be tenth all time with thirty. I guess as a fan, you think thirty eight wins, you think, oh, that's that's pretty good. But that just kind of proves how hard it is to win down there, huh? It, it is. Well, and then you take Bert and Tim and Junior Miller, and they've all got eighty, ninety wins. Right. You know what I mean? But nowadays, it's a lot harder to win than it was, you, you know, years ago. Obviously, racing has evolved so much. But yeah, uh, winning over there, dude, it, it's. It's so hard to do because uh, Tim Brown just won the championship this year and it won a race all year. Really? Really? Not one race. Zero wins. Zero wins. Holy shit. Yeah. But when you go to a racetrack that mixes the show up every week, you know, you're running twin 25 lap races. So you qualify and run the first race. Then you redraw 8, 10, 12, 14, or 16 to invert. Then you got to average your two finishes. And that's how you get first place points for the night. Then the next week you come over and you got a hundred lap random draw the entire field after qualifying. So I mean, you can imagine how that goes. It's it's if that place ran a hundred lap race, start straight up how you qualify every week. It wouldn't be that hard to win races. Yeah, yeah. But the way it is now, it's, <laughs> you yeah. you've got to you it, you've just got to be able to get yourself in that position. It's not one of these racetracks where you can put yourself in that position because it's not all up to you. You have to get in that position. You have to fall into it. You know what I mean? Like, just say you qualify on the pole and you're three-tenths faster than the second-place guy and they put you starting 15th. There's no way you're going to win. You'd be lucky to get back to the top five. And that's why it's so hard, especially for me. That's my personal, you know, what's hurt me so much is winning championships is – 
you know, the race is where we're good. We're good. But the race is where I draw bad or, you know, something stupid happened. Like, I just can't seem to make the whole thing work. Like, yeah. I must not be that good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. Too. Maybe I ain't as good as I thought I was. <laughs> um, so a couple a couple of the last questions that I had is I, I was, again, I, I referenced the TV show, but I was um, kind of encapsulated with the relationship that you have with your dad. Um, not only he as the car owner, um, but kind of just a back and forth you have about had about um, like how to drive kind of some of the pressures that you you felt at the stadium, which I'm sure there has to be massive pressure um, coming being a part of the Myers family um, because you guys are are, you know, I, the first family are racing, I think is what they called you on the TV show. Um, can you just kind of touch a little bit on your relationship with your dad and, and just kind of how the dynamic, the dynamic of that worked? Yeah, because it, it's one of those where my dad's my best friend too. You know what I mean? But it, it's got its, it's got its highs and its lows because yeah, I have a, I have a man that's already been through what I'm doing right now. I have a man that has literally sat in the seat I'm sitting in and done exactly what I'm doing. So that knowledge I get from him of, hey, I've already been there. You know, hey, I've already been there. Don't do, you know, try this. Don't do this. I've already been there. But also that comes along with that is, well, I've done it. I can do it. I know it can be done. How come you can't do it? Why are you not getting it done? This is what we talked about. This is what I told you. Why is it not getting done? What are you... Are you getting tired? You getting old? Like it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the back and forth. There is a lot, there, there are a lot of perks and there's a lot of information and there's a lot of stuff that you can take from that and use toward racing. But like I said, there's also a lot of pressure and a lot of, I know that what this guy's telling me is right. Cause he's been there and done that. Like I can't question him. I can't argue with him, even though I want to sometimes it's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of hard to, 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 I don't know. It's, it's mm, that's hard. It's tough. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Um, and then Bert, then you got Bert in there too. Who's the same way. So I've got both of these figures who have been there and done that and been down this road. And I, I get tired of hearing the I told you so's and the, well, I told you that wasn't going to work or <laughs> you should have done that. You should have done this and you should have done, you know, make you, it, it, it's a roller coaster, you know what I mean? Because one one week you might fill up here because what you did worked, and then the next week you fill right back down here because he told you not to do it and you did it anyway and it didn't work, and now you wasted a week because you should have been listening. Yeah. So it's it's been a tough road, man. I ain't gonna lie, it's been a tough road. I mean, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't do anything different. You know, I am blessed, but it's been tough, man. Yeah. You guys, I got a couple more. I don't I let them rip. Like let it rip. Sorry, I just. <laughs> I've been practicing this interview for years, actually, in my head. <laughs> um, um, so, obviously, we talked about the pressures of of winning. Um, do you do anything outside of racing? Um, like, how do you unwind, basically? Do, do you fish? Do you hunt? Do you do, you do anything that would be... Not anymore. No, not, not anymore. Yeah, I, I I used to have a little, you know, play golf a little bit, or, <clears throat> but now it's 
by the time my week's up and the race is over, when it comes to, hey, what do you want to do for fun or what do you want to do to relax? It's exactly what I do. I want to, I want to relax. Leave me alone. Just yeah. let me sleep. Let me get caught up. Because, see, what, what kills me is um, my schedule at UPS, I'm Tuesday through Saturday. Yeah. I'm off on Monday. But I race on Saturday. So I've got to get up at 2.30 in the morning on Saturday, go work a six-hour shift, then drive all the way to the racetrack, race all night, then get home. So my Saturdays end up being a 24, 26, 20, you know, whatever hour day, 24 anyway, you know. Right. And so when I finally get – it's just like when I finally get done, I'm ready for a break. After the last smart race this year, which was – what was that, a month ago maybe? Yeah, or no, the, the North-South shootout. The North-South shootout was yeah. the last race I ran. I took my car in the shop. I put it on jack stands. I drained the water out of the block and the radiator. And I hadn't been back over since. Really? Like I got burned out. You know what I mean? I got. Oh, yeah. I, was burnt out. I don't want to work on race cars right now. I want to break. I want to go home with my kids. I want to sit down and eat dinner. I want to get back to some of that I learned when I when the whole COVID thing was going on. The actual, you know, real life, yeah. and not just racing cram down your throat all the time. And you know, then I then I wake up today and I start thinking, how far behind am I going to be this year? Because I hadn't been over yet. You know, so now it's, you know, Bert, I hear from that Bert's got a new car, another new car, and he's starting to do this and starting to do that. And I'm like, the guy that I know I'm going to be racing with has already started on next year, and I hadn't even closed the door on last year yet. Yeah. But you got to do what you got to do, man. You know, you you burn yourself out, and you're not doing anybody any good. Yeah. Yeah. What about the, what about the family aspect, too? Because one thing that – in the three years, we're going on three years of this podcast, one common theme everyone seems to have is if you have a family, they recognize kind of a little bit of the sacrifice that they go through so they can race. Is are, I assume that your whole family is super supportive of you racing. Absolutely. They're a huge part of it. My kids love it. Um, I've got a, my, youngest, my youngest kid's a little boy. He's seven. Okay. And he told me earlier this year he had uh, baseball practice on Saturday morning, and we were racing Saturday night. And in his mind, he didn't know we could do both because that's Saturday morning. You know, we can get that done and still go to the race. But in his mind, he's trying to choose. And he says, Dad, we can't go to my baseball game today. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why not? He said, because racing's more important. We got to go to the race. We got to just skip my baseball game. And I was like, all right, but not not quite yet. We 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 don't have to start skipping them yet. But just that just shows you right there that yes, my my daughters, my wife, everybody is just. I'm not the only. Let me say, my family has allowed me to put my racing first and focus themselves around me and my racing, so that that we could all make this work. Because if they weren't part of the racing and they didn't support it, there's no way we could make you know. It's like being married to a woman that hates racing. That just ain't gonna work. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Like they gotta be a part of it. You can't separate yourself from your family to go racing when you devote so much time to racing. It's not just like I got a regular life and I leave on Saturday to go race. I'll see y'all Sunday. You know, it's every night of the week. You know what I mean? It's it, y- y'all know how it is. So oh, yeah. you, and and family's huge, man. You gotta. You can't do it by yourself. Family's just like a pit crew. You can't do it by yourself. Yeah. And I think the last one I have is, and maybe you're not ready to talk about this yet, but is there an end point? Do you have a certain age 
that you are going to be done or are you going to see this thing all the way through for better or worse? Well, yeah, I'm not going to say I hadn't thought about it. You know what I mean? Obviously. Um, but I won't, I won't stop while I'm still competitive. Okay. But I also don't want to go past the point and be like Junior Miller who still tries to come back every now and then and basically everybody's saying, this guy's, what is this guy doing? He's wasting, like, get out of here, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, you, you, you can't drag it out so long. But you also can't go out on a win and a high note because then you know what it does to you every time you win. That's that bite that makes you want to go back and get more. That's it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping – I'm not going to tell him this because I don't want to put any pressure on him. I'm hoping when my son gets old enough that it'll be the transition that my dad made of when I started driving. Uh, it was 2003. It was the last year my dad drove. It was Bone Gray Stadium. All three of us were in modifieds. My dad, my brother, and myself. They did the redraw for the second race. My dad had finished ninth and I'd finished 10th in the first race. This was my rookie year. They redrew 10 for the second race for the second 25 lapper and put me starting on the pole. My dad was starting outside pole. He didn't let me win, but he didn't want to beat me. He wanted me to win. Yeah. Yep. And, and that was the reality check for him of, if I'm not out here to win for myself, if I'm out here wanting someone else to win, I need to step out and do what I can to help them win instead of being out here racing against them. And my dad said, hey, my dad was plenty still capable of driving race cars. You know what I mean? Was nowhere close to, to actually retiring. But when he got to that point, he was like, let me step back and you come in and let's, let's go racing together. Yeah. And, and he never sat back down in one. And that's, you know, I'm hoping that's going to happen with me. I hope my son keeps the interest he has in it to where when he starts racing one day, that that will be my scapegoat from racing is I'm still going to be a part of it. I'm still going to be doing it. I'm just not going to be driving. So let me step back and let me get my son in here and let me see what I can do to help him and, and, and make a difference. Okay. Actually, I lied. I have one more, and it's a super selfish question. <laughs> where where can I buy a Dirty South T-shirt? Um, Jason Myers racing on Facebook and I can ship you one. Yeah, get, right. I can hit my Facebook racing page. I used to have the whole website, the store. Yeah. Yep. And all of those, all of that got so expensive and we weren't selling shirts like we were doing, you know, right after the TV show. So now I've just got it set up on my Facebook page okay. where you can send me a message to my Facebook page. And I just took a, I just took one of the post office yesterday. My wife does all that and sends me to the post office because we still got, we still got people ordering this time of year, you know, one okay. or two a week anyway. So if I just buy one, if I buy one, can you sign it? Cause we're going to hang, we just moved it. This is our first episode in our new studio. So, oh, we're, nice. so we're trying to build it out and we're trying to put, find some stuff to put on the wall. So could you sign it if I bought it? <laughs> yes, sir. Sick. Yes, sir. Nice. Perfect. All right. Yeah, and then next time I come on, I want to see it back here. Oh, you got listen, it. man, I'm going to we'll make it work. Yeah, yeah, we'll make that work. No problem. Oh, a hundred percent. Hey, I got, I got one. I'm going to oh. speak for Brian here for a second. Okay. So if we can get you up here, and there's a competitive car that would be willing to have a, a seat filler in it, would you be willing to drive it? <laughs> Stats. All right, there you go, Brian. We just got to make it work. We'll make it work. <laughs> we can do that. 
I might even buy a couple tires if I had to. Hell yeah. <laughs> the open show. We'll figure something out. We'll be in touch. We'll send you a message. Yeah, we'll, we'll, get for real. Hey, we'll, yeah. we'll work it back the other way, man. I might I might have one we can put you in one day down here. Freaking A. We should go to the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he wants me to drive one at the stadium. Oh, yeah, yeah, probably not there. Fair. Probably anywhere else. That's fair. I got one. We, we'll put an extra couple bumpers on it. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Let's have some I fun. Am game. Let's do it. This worked out oh, yeah. so well. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you got to shoot your shot. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think you got anything. Not off the top of my head, no. Yeah, so, no. I mean, no, this has been great. You know, yeah. thank you again so much for coming on. You know, it's great to have. Uh, we're, we're all mod guys. Obviously, that's what I drive anyways. But these guys have always been mod guys. Um, you know, it's just it's just the division that everybody loves. Um, so, you know, it's great to have a modified driver on. Somebody, to, you know, from out of our area is, is great. And then somebody that's, you know, as well known as you. So we appreciate you taking the time coming on. Um, you know, obviously, we'll be sharing this on all our socials uh we'll be posting the the shirt when we get it the signed shirt and all that and then if you want to share it as well that'd be great and we'll absolutely be in touch about uh some possibilities for next year heck yeah sounds good man all right appreciate your time man yeah anytime you got my number y'all know where i'm at if you need me let's do it when we when we get down your way i'll shoot you a text you got it all right thanks thank you jason we appreciate it see ya Apex Racing, located at 972 West Swansea Road in Swansea, New Hampshire, is now open and ready to assist you. Keep them in mind when the time comes for all your parts and accessory needs for your upcoming race season. Need help setting up and maintaining your car? Their in-house staff will be there to help you out with those needs as well. Last but not least, they will have the NHSTRA modified rides available for rent on a weekly basis. Apex, Apex Racing, Racing will see you in victory lane. We'd like to take a moment and thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Turn 4 Podcast. Have a question, comment, or query? We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us today at our Facebook page, Turn 4 Podcast. And until next week, we'll see you at the racetrack.